Well, if you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we will uh, be just in uh, verse 8 tonight. Um, I know we did cover this last week, but I feel like it's important. There's some, there's some things that I wanted us to see um, that uh, concerning men who uh, and and our responsibility as men in the in the church to lead in in prayer and through prayer. So there's a couple of other things I want us to see. So if you're physically able to do so, let me invite you to stand one final time as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Word, First Timothy chapter two, verse eight. Let's read this, and it says, "And I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting." Let's pray. Father, help us to be men of God, men of faithfulness, men who love prayer, who desire to spend time with you in prayer, to be guided by your Spirit in prayer, that we would lead in our, our own selves, our homes, our, uh, our congregation in this, uh, in this way by being men of prayer. And uh, we would ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So I think that, I, well, I don't think that I have to say this, but I will anyways, because I think it is important for us to remind ourselves, and that is that no matter how often we may treat it as a ritual, prayer in and of itself is, is not a ritual. It's calling. It's a calling of God upon the, upon the Christian, and not just the Christian, but the local church, to, to come together and pray and I would even add to that, pinpoint even, zero in on that even a little bit more and say not only the local church, but that the men of the local church are to be leading in prayer. Um, and, and it's funny that John Newton, I think, encapsulates what our understanding of prayer should be when he wrote the following. May the grace of Christ our Savior and the Father's boundless love with the Holy Spirit's favor rest upon us from above. Thus may we abide in union with each other and the Lord and possess in sweet communion joys which earth cannot afford. And I think it's, it's something that we have to realize that Newton's words, I think, really do encapsulate for us what is occurring in prayer. It is the essence of Christian prayer, what it means to pray as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a communion. Prayer is a communion that is rooted in the grace of God. It's a, prayer is a communion that, is, that, is, that envelops every part of our lives through the love of the Father and through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is this idea that we are called to pray, that our prayers are animated, if you will, by the Holy Spirit, and that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. But as Christ also said to us, we have another advocate, and this advocate's name is the Holy Spirit who enables, empowers our praying, who prays for us when we can't even pray for ourselves, as Paul says in the book of Romans. And so tonight, as we look at this, we, wanna, we want to endeavor, we want to endeavor to bind our hearts together and our hearts to the Lord. We want to realize the importance of prayer 
and to examine what the scripture actually says about praying, both for men and women. But Paul, first and foremost, does in fact, to the young pastor Timothy, talk to, uh, talk to him about uh, the way men should be leading and guiding in the church, and the way the church should be functioning, and that is first and foremost, men praying. So tonight, what I want to look at, let's start here, is this idea of, of uh, uh, pray, uh, prayer, uh, Christian men praying together. And so with that in mind, let's look at, first and foremost, the authority of this instruction. What is the authority of this instruction? Well, Paul starts, our, uh, our passage starts off by, uh, by saying, uh, I will or I desire, right? Uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's an idea here that uh, Paul himself is giving, but we recognize and understand that this I will or this I desire here that the text tells us about is, is, is not from Paul himself. Paul is very clear up until this point that he is writing this. He is writing this from, from God, that it, this, is, this was inspired by God, and he'll make that even more plain as we go through the, the book of First and Second Timothy and even into Titus. But the idea here is really, I, I would say, it's not captured. What, what's taking place is not really being captured here with, with either one of those designations. The, the Paul, when Paul says, I will, or I desire. Um, the idea behind this is, is that of, of, of having a purpose of mind or intention. And, and really the idea here is one of command. And so when, when Paul says that I, I will or I desire, depending on your translation, some of the, some of the other translations, like the New American Standard Bible um, or the, uh, the, the Legacy Standard Bible, uh, actually have I want. But I think a much closer translation of the word here, uh, which, is, which is getting us in, the, in even more of the right direction, but I think when you get into the translation of this, the proper understanding of this would be basically Paul saying this, I expect. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, I, I want you to be, or I desire that you are. No, no, no. There, there's a force of command here, which is, I expect from you, church in Ephesus, and Timothy as well, I expect that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And I think, I think the, the idea here is one of apostolic authority and of one of apostolic commandment that he is saying to, to Timothy and to the church here that he has a, a very real expectation and a command that they pray in this way. There is authority here being expressed. And I think that this is the idea here of order within the congregation. There's a, there's a great order here within this congregation. And so Paul is explicitly demanding of this congregation that they would pray, men specifically, would pray in this way. Now, certainly uh, not just the men because of there's a little word here uh, down in, in verse 9 uh, that's translated likewise or in like manner, which, which is also has the understanding of, of the, the women of the congregation as well. But for, for our purposes tonight, we're only looking at the men and what God has expected and requires of us as men within the congregation but, but I would say that Paul, who is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, specifically a teacher of the Gentiles, tells us that he expects 
that we should come to the, to the Lord in this manner when we come to pray, brothers. When you and I come to pray, this should be the way we come to pray. We come with, ex- with expectation of heart, a, a humbleness of heart, a desire to know the glory of God in all things. Let me say it like this. Brothers, because we have been transformed by the saving grace of God through Christ, we should come joyously, we should come joyfully, we who have been saved, who have been taught by the, by the word of God, who have received the love of God, should now pray in the joy of God, and the joy of Christ. And so we who are men, who should first and foremost be leading, before we expect anything, before we demand anything else of anyone else, we who are to lead should lead first and foremost from a place of humility, a place of grace, a place of, 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 of merciful love. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't make the demands. Yes, I mean, we should be praying, right? We, everybody should be praying in this way. But we who are God's sons should be leading the congregation to pray in this way. And certainly, if you were to say to me, well, shouldn't the pastors and the elders be doing this first? To which I would say, yes, absolutely. We pastors, we elders should most certainly be leading in this way first, since after all, uh, the pastor is, 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 a, uh, is an under-shepherd, right? or elder is an under-shepherd, who, who simply is a chief example among God's people. As we'll see here later on in First Timothy chapter 3, there's nothing spectacular about the... About the, the uh, uh, the life or the minish, uh, the life of the of the elder, the qualifications of the deacon or the elder. As a matter of fact, I would argue to you, brothers and sisters, that it's this: what makes what makes the life of the elder and the deacon, the officers of the of the church, so very spectacular is how very ordinary those expectations are. That what I mean by that is that yes, uh, pastors and, and and deacons are called to 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 be men of character and men of 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 uh, of honor. But brother, you are not released from that either. You are called to be that way too. You should hopefully look to your pastors and your elders to see men of of faith and faithfulness, men of integrity, men who honor Christ and love Christ. But brothers, you too are called to that lifestyle. And there's a second thing here I want us to see, and that is the reception of the instruction that's given here. The reception of the instruction that's given here. Now, what does he mean here when he says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. There there are some who would just take this this and say, well, see, the men there don't, don't mean actually men, they just sort of mean people. Well, the problem with that is, is that the word there for men means man, men. It doesn't mean people. It doesn't mean all kinds of people. There are some words that certainly can have been translated as men that could mean people, but not here, not here. The word for, this is not the word for people in general. This is the word that, that, so in other words, he's not saying this encompasses everyone. So, so all of you should be praying like this. No, no. He's specifically talking to the men of Ephesus and by 
application, brother, to you and to me. And so Paul is is instead giving the, the instruction here to distinguish the men from the women and the children. He is specifically referencing men leading in the congregation for the sake of the glory of God. And this is going to become very, very, very important here in the next couple of verses, particularly when we get down to verse 12, when from creation, the order of creation, Paul specifically begins to argue that women are not to have authority within the congregation. And this is why Paul starts with the men. Brothers, let me make it this, let me make this statement. Brothers, if we refuse to do what we are called to do, we can't expect that our wives or our daughters or our sisters or our mothers or anyone else is going to do what they, sh- they are called to do either. We are called to lead the way. We are called to lead the way. Paul is being specific that adult men are to lead in this way. Brothers, pray. Pray everywhere. Pray lifting up holy hands. Pray lifting up holy hands and everywhere where you go. And again, brothers... We can't expect an orderly congregation if we, refuse to, if we refuse to stand up and step up and do our duty, if we shirk our responsibilities, if we refuse to lead in this way, we should be leading ourselves first, brothers, leading ourselves first, and then leading our wives, and then leading our children, and then, leaving, then leading our congregation to pray. Again, this is why Paul is so adamant here and while he, while, he, while he anchors everything in the order of creation, the creation order, which is why, <clears throat> excuse me, when you get down to verse 12, and he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self control. Now again, uh, we're not going to get there. We will get to that part and, and, and I think hopefully make some great application from that. But in the meantime, my brothers, understand this, that we are directed to be men who love prayer, who love our wives enough to lead in prayer, to love our children enough to lead in prayer, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ to lead in prayer. And when Paul dis- instructs to lift up holy hands, does, does this mean that you and I should, should go around uh, everywhere, you know, praying like this, you know, go through the grocery store praying, <laughs> praying like this? No, no, that's not Paul's point, right? That's not Paul's point. Rather, it's, a, it's an implication of 
holy, the holiness that we exhibit in, in and through our lives and in and through the lifestyles that we, that we live, that, that we who are men of God, we who endeavor to lead ourselves and our families and our congregation in prayer, pleading for the Lord to work and to move and the gospel to move forward in our, in our communities and in our, our families and in our nation, that we, we who are men of God do, do this, do this work of prayer in holiness, in holiness and in righteousness, in the holiness that is given to us in Christ, in the holiness that has been provided for us in Christ, and by the Spirit of God who empowers us to do this. I'm not, I, I am, what Paul is commanding, you have to understand here, brothers, the implication is that this is not coming from you or me. This is coming and provided to us by God himself. Why do I say that? Well, look with me just prior to all this. Back in verse 5, he says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. In other words, brothers, the foundation and the basis for us leading ourselves and our wives and our sons and our daughters and our congregation in prayer is that we have been provided this grace of redemption being ransomed by, by, from sin and from the kingdom and domain of darkness and brought into being sons of, the, of light, into the kingdom of light through Jesus Christ. And so we who are sons of light act like sons of light. We live as sons of light. We speak as sons of light. We, we do everything for the sun as sons of the light. And there's an emphasis here on priority. He's specifying here, right, in, in, by, by, by using the phrases that he's using, or he, he's purposely choosing these, these phrases for us so that we better understand what, what he's, the, the heart of what he's getting at, which is the emphasis on the priority of all of this. He's highlighting the importance of these practices, praying in unity, right? Because he's going to go on here without wrath and doubting. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Without wrath or doubting. So in unity, unified prayer, and in holiness, in the lifting up holy hands, that we who are men of God do, do what we do in leading in prayer, leading through unity and love for Christ, and by, by being holy in our, in our lifestyles, that Christ is glorified. Paul is highlighting the importance of doing this. And, and honestly, brothers, I'm going to say this. By doing this, Paul is highlighting that these things aren't optional for us. We don't get to choose whether or not we are going to act in a way that is consistent with this being a son of the light. Praying, honoring Christ, this is central to our faith in the community of the, the local church. And so we who, we who are in Christ Men, we who are in Christ should be leading in holiness. Now, 
part of part of this is also i would add the recognition of when we also sin and fail brothers do not ever be so very proud and think well you know i'm a leader so therefore i i can't back up and confess and admit my when i've done wrong or when i've sinned um brothers we must be openly committed to as part of a, a lifestyle of holiness con- confessing to to our wives and our daughters and our sons and even our congregation when we've sinned and when we've messed up and when we when we have not honored Christ the way we should have there's no question about that there's no there's no issue uh, of of reserve there it doesn't mean that we whine doesn't mean that we we uh, uh, complain but it rather means that we freely accept this I will tell you from just, and I know this is anecdotal, but I will tell you that one of one of the greatest impacts that my dad had on me as as a dad was that my dad was not afraid to back up and say, you know what, Tim, I was wrong, and I I I I as your dad, I said this or I did this or I was I wasn't thinking when this happened, and so I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask your forgiveness. How powerful that is! Like that, that, that as a as an eight, nine, ten year old boy, like that, that imprinted onto me in ways that that not that like nothing else could have. And brothers, let us be of that kind of a humble stature, as men of God. Again, we're not whining. We're not, you know, we're not we're not complaining. We we are admitting when we have sinned though, and confessing it openly. But what about the instruction here then? Well, the instruction then is quite simple, isn't it? It's just one word, just one, not not a bunch of words, just one. And what's that one word? Well, the one word here that he tells us is that we should pray. That's it. Seems like such a such a small thing, doesn't it? Like pray. Um, I think it was was it Oswald Chambers or I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, someone said that that. Uh, uh, you know, prayer doesn't equip you for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And I, I believe that to be true. And so as we pray, we are men who are offering up our prayers to the Lord. And you say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I don't know what to pray. Well, that's great because you don't have to know what to pray. Jesus has already told us what to pray. You say, what do you mean? Well, <clears throat> flip back with me here to the Gospel of Matthew. You could also go to the Gospel of Luke. But let's just go to the Gospel of Matthew here. The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us here when he begins the Sermon on the Mount, particularly when we get to chapter 6, Jesus actually tells us what, how we should pray and what we should be praying for. Now, I know in some church traditions, the, what's commonly called the model prayer um, or the Lord's Prayer, right, or the, um, the, um, uh, is often used to simply, it's recited. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the, just to do that is to miss the point of what Jesus is actually saying here. Listen to what Jesus says. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You understand that when Jesus is teaching us to pray there, he, is, he, is, he, he prayed this to teach his disciples to pray. How to pray, what to pray for. 
And so we have within here the, the model for which we should be praying. This isn't to be re- just recited from rote memory, but rather it takes us through what and how we are to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We should pray, glorifying the Father, adoring the Father, praising God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We are praying for the, for the will of God. We are, we, are, we are calling out to the Lord to, to work and to move for his glory upon the earth, to advance and speed the gospel forward among the nations. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, or give us our daily, our daily bread, which, is a inter- which we are interceding and supplicating for the Father, asking him to give us the needs of our, day, our daily needs to provide for us. And to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we are confessing our sins. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from the from evil. Right? Again, we are we are interceding and supplicating the Father that that He would He would guide us and protect us from temptation and from the power of of our own sin and the evil one. And then ultimately, uh, He He ends here. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Which I I think honestly belongs there and should be uh, should should lead us to end our time with praise. This is this isn't rocket scientist or rocket science. Um, this is a this is a very real pattern of prayer and praying that we should be doing, offering to to the Lord, um, our adoration, uh, con- uh, supplication, uh, thanksgiving, confession, praise. I mean, these are these are all that we are called. This is what we are called to do. We are called to, to do this in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Causing, calling upon the Father in faith and in trust in what he has done and what he calls us to do. And when he says that we are to be men of prayer or men pray, he says praying where? Praying how? Or praying, praying, praying where? Praying everywhere. In other words, let your heart be one of prayerfulness. Let your, let your heart be filled with praise and prayer. We are to pray in a specific way with thanksgiving. We are to pray in a specific behavior, in holiness. We are to pray for who? Well, he's already told us that. We are to pray for all men, right? If you go, if you go back to verse 1 of chapter 2, what does he say? Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that all, all, first of all, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he lists the types of men there, right? For kings and for all who are in authority. For what purpose? That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. This is what we're told to do. This is what we're told to pray for. This is what we're told how we should lead the church to pray. And so we pray in a specific way, thanksgiving, praising God in, a, in, a, in a specific, the specific grounds, being Christ, through which we pray and offer our prayers. We pray, through specific, we pray in a specific behavior, in a specific way, through holiness. And we pray for all men. And we pray without certain attitudes. We'll get there in just a second. What, what is it that we are to pray without? Wrath. And anger. Is that what he says here? We're to pray without wrath and doubting. <clears throat> why? <laughs> why, would, why would Paul be inspired by the Lord to write specifically to men that we men specifically pray 
without doubting and wrath or without wrath and anger. Well, let's just be honest with us, brothers. Sometimes we men can be a little hot-headed. And sometimes we men can be a little, a little on the, the testosterone-filled side of things. And there are times when we, you put a group of men together, even in the church, we're not always going to get along or see eye to eye or think like one another. And sometimes, God forbid, but we even rub each other the wrong way. Well, Paul is specifically saying, brothers, do not let your behavior, your mentalities, your personalities endanger praying together as brothers in Christ, praying together without these attitudes of wrath and anger or anger and doubting in a way, in ways that are, that are dishonoring to Christ. Listen, we're, we're going to disagree at times. You, you and I, we're going to disagree, but that disagreement should never lead to anger and wrath shouldn't lead to, to hot-headed uh, uh, explosions. Uh, um, you know, I, you know I, I think I've shared this before, but I, I've been a pastor of a church where in a business meeting it became so heated that the trustee yelled at the deacon, I'll meet you outside in the parking lot. That is not a godly behavior. That is not godly. That is not holy. That is not, that's directly what this verse, or specifically what this verse is referencing here, is that we are to glorify God in, in, in all things, in our attitudes and in our, our actions and our thoughts in all things. We're not to allow anything to endanger that. We should never allow in the local congregation anything, our, our, our manliness to interrupt our our call to unity in prayer because make no mistake brothers in, uh, this is what prayer really is it's a unity it's a unifying activity within the local church that we are called upon to pray together and call upon the lord together so how, how does this end up working how does this end up working itself out within the life of the local church you may ask well i think that's a, I certainly think that's a that's an applicable question i think that's something that that is very good to ask in light of paul's command here in verse 8 so what is what is it that we should do well let, let me say this um, we should pray together now i know you'd say well yeah okay Think about this, right? And, and, and you know, I, the story, and, and I, I don't know that it's true, but, but I've heard the story many, many times over the years, you know, how, how someone was, uh, uh, was uh, they met with, with uh, Spurgeon, and uh, Spurgeon took them down, and you know, he said, do you want to see the heart of the church? And he took them down into a, a place where the room was filled with people who were just praying and, and calling upon the Lord and, and pleading with the Lord to work and move. And he talked about that being the heart of the church. Well, brothers, 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 this has not changed. This has always been the case. Where was the church found first? Praying. Praying together in the upper room. They were praying. They were called together, praying together. So we should seek to pray together. We should, we should, we should find times. And it doesn't have to be in a, 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 an event here like at the church. We, should, we don't necessarily just have to have a quote-unquote prayer meeting or, or uh, like we do on Sundays, though certainly... Uh, uh, 
are important times where brothers meet together in the, my office and we pray together before the service or the ladies meet back in the fellowship hall and they, they pray uh, for, um, for uh, whatever you all pray for and uh, hopefully for the church. Um, but, um, but also, I, I, I would say this, I would say we should be praying together we should be praying together and, and calling each other every single week, which is one of the reasons why on Wednesday nights when we're finished with, when we're finished with our church history section, we're, we're going to be revamping our Wednesday night services so that we can focus more on our prayer and more on our praying together. Um, won't be all prayer, but certainly we'll spend the first part of the time together, first 30 minutes or so, praying together. Um, and so we certainly want to, to desire that and look to that and plead with the Lord to work in that midst. We want to we always have a posture, brothers, of, of, of surrendering to God's will and living in holiness, that Christ would be glorified. We want to extend and encourage unity and peace within the local congregation, which means that we address conflicts and we promote forgiveness among members. Men, you should be the first to be leading in this. As men of God, as husbands, I, I think there's, a, there's some application here as well. So that's the local church. But what about for men of, as husbands? Well, brothers, let, let me say this. Uh, you you want to grow closer with your wife. Spend time praying with her. Spend time praying with her. You want to grow closer, closer to your children. Spend time praying with your children. And I don't mean God is good, God is great, let us blank, bless him, let, let us uh, thank him for our food, by his hand we all are fed, thank you God for our daily bread, amen. I learned that in second grade, I can still repeat it, for the most part. It was a fine prayer, right? My teacher was doing her best to teach us, like you couldn't do that today. That's not the type of praying here that we're talking about. Real, real praying. Calling upon the Lord. Calling to the one who has all power. Calling to the one to move the gospel forward in this nation and in our marriage, in our lives, in our children. Brothers, let me encourage you to, to be intentional, to resolve conflicts in your own family that's in a, that's a in a peaceful way, seeking forgiveness and promoting unity even within your own marriage. Model humility and love in your, in your sacrificing yourself for leading your family in praying for one another, in leading your family forward in prayer and devotion. I, don't, I know that I've said this before, but I'll say this again. No matter how busy we are, no matter how tired we are as a family, Unless we are providentially hindered, we sit together as a family every single night and we read the word together as a family. We talk about the scriptures. We pray those scriptures. Brothers, lead your families like that. Lead your family. And I don't say that because I'm, I've got it all figured out. Sometimes it looks like an absolute wild session in my house. People bouncing off the walls, dogs barking, children, children squalling. I mean, it's, it's at times fun. But we should be men and women who lead ourselves and our families well in prayer. As fathers, brothers, let me say this to you. If you are a father, 
Make prayer a regular time for the way that you lead your children. Pray for them. Pray for their future spouses. Pray for, pray for your leadership of them. Pray for that your children would see that you love your wife, their mother, well. Men of God, as leaders of your home, cultivate a culture of prayer. Create a culture of prayer within your family. Create a, a, a way that despite the conflicts or the disagreements, we can come together and pray together. And I think, brothers, I think ultimately all of this is necessary for you and I, that we have to first lead ourselves to do this. We can't ask anything of our wives and our children's children that we aren't willing to first do ourselves. We must be men of prayer. We must be willing to lead ourselves in prayer. If that means we have to get up 15 minutes early in the day to simply pray and ask the Lord to work and move, so be it. Or sit up 15 minutes later at night, if you're more of a night person, before you go to bed and pray for your family and your children and for ourselves. But brothers, whatever else we do, Let's take the initiative to do this. And again, this isn't, this, isn't to, this isn't to beat on you or me. This isn't to beat on us, but, but rather to remind us of the holy and sacred calling that we have been given in Christ. Right? I'm, not, I'm not telling you that, that, that you're failing at this. Only you ultimately know this. But, but, but you as God's sons, those of you who know Christ, you should be leading yourself first and foremost in this. And brothers, let me say this. There's always grace if you haven't been. There's always grace if you haven't been. So that though you may not have been, you can. Right now, in repentance, start anew and afresh. And there's always grace. Because I know I've been talking a lot about law up here, right? Do, 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 do. Right? But there is grace. There is, there is grace available so that Though we fall, and we will, and though we stumble, and we do, and though we struggle, and we will, there is grace. There is grace for those moments in time. There's grace for the time for you and I to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be renewed to repentance, to, to find fresh, a, a, a fresh forgiveness and grace to walk in day by day by day by day. Brothers, we must prioritize prayer in our personal lives, in our homes, and in every way. If you want to be men of God, if you want to be a better father, pray. If you want to be uh, or, or seek to seek the Lord in prayer, if you want to want to do anything, seek the Lord first in prayer. Let us model prayer. And I'll, I'll say this: I'll, I'll, let me offer this to you as well. If if you have any questions or doubts. My door is always open. I would be happy to walk with you personally. And I know Brother Trent would be as well. Pastor Trent would be as well. To walk with you through how that should be, how that should, what that should look like and, and how you can better, how maybe offer suggestions to you. Uh, so let me offer the pastoral care and support to you brothers in case you, you may be struggling and just say, look, Pastor, I know I need to be doing this, but I'm really struggling. Let me, l- let me just let you in on a little secret. So are we all. None of us have this thing figured out. That's why we are a band of brothers seeking to walk in holiness and in righteousness. And so if, if you need just that pastoral care and support, my door is always open. 
And I would love to be able to, to encourage you and to challenge you and to be a blessing to you, to walk you through ways that you could better do this, better lead your family in prayer, lead yourself in prayer, lead, lead the congregation in prayer. Because ultimately, brothers, until we have this right, nothing else that's going to take place after this can be right particularly as we get into the idea of, of the wives and the women in the congregation and what they're supposed to be doing and their works and the, the, their godliness and their godly works that they're supposed to be doing. Until we are first and foremost men of prayer, we can't expect, we can't expect for, for the church to, to act and to do right without us first leading well, without us first operating well as God's men within the local congregation. And so with that in mind, my brothers, let's pray together as we seek God's grace. Lord, we, we thank you for this time together. We pray for your aid and your help as we, as we do take this very seriously. Lord, we know that um, it would be easy for us to hide and continue to hide behind our own, our own struggles. But God, I pray that would not be the reality tonight that you would help us to be, to be men of courage and men of faith, men who love our, our wives well, who love you, who love Christ, who love our sons and our daughters, who love our families enough to be men of prayer, to love our local congregations enough that we would lead the church in prayer in our own personal lives and in corporate ways. May, may, may our lives be lived in such a way that they are unified and they are holy and they are, they are lived in, in, the, in a way that Christ is exalted and glorified. So now we ask for your help, we ask for your aid, we ask for your wisdom, we ask for your grace. Help us to walk in the forgiveness that you offer us through Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.